Fear not, the Rutgers Scoutcast has not been deleted. The Broken Brilliance does continue now. Episode 53, and I am your host, Sam Hellman of the Rutgers Scoutcast, publisher over at scarletreport.com. This episode going up a little later Friday. Hopefully you're able to catch it and get it in your download queues before the drive home from work for the weekend. I'm recording this from Washington, D.C. after Rutgers basketball has completed its run in the Big Ten tournament. And while if you watch the first half against Northwestern, believe me, I watched it too and I know how you're feeling. But you look at the rest of the product that Rutgers basketball put out there during this weekend and a statement was made, a foundation was built. There's no question about that. So the way that this show is going to work is you're going to hear from me. I'm going to talk a little bit about my experiences at the Big Ten Tournament from the Verizon Center in Washington, D.C. this year. And then instead of a guest, instead of the news, frankly, I've been all over the place this week with travel, pro days, Friday. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you inside the Rutgers locker room. Now, the way the Big Ten Tournament works, it's just like the NCAA Tournament. It's just like most professionally run basketball tournaments where you go into the locker room, you get your 30 minutes, and you you get whoever you need, and then you move on. For basketball fans, or even if you're not a basketball fan, I think there's some really interesting stuff in here, and and you can get a feel for the character of this Rutgers basketball team. So so that's why I want to make sure you guys can and girls can get that experience of what it's like in the locker room I've been in the Rutgers locker room after a lot of losses, and that's football and basketball. But I've been in there after some wins, too, and it's very interesting to see the dichotomy of here's how these guys talk and react after a win, here's what they're saying after losses, and you're going to see some of that. So in the body of the show, after I finish talking a little bit about my experiences in this tournament, we're going to jump right into the Rutgers locker room at the Verizon Center And we're going to just run through some of the interviews. The most interesting thing I think you're going to hear on this show is Carl Hobbs, the associate head coach, longtime George Washington coach. Steve Peichel actually worked for Carl Hobbs before Carl Hobbs worked for Steve Peichel. He he killed it in his interview with me after Rutgers defeated Ohio State, the first Big Ten basketball tournament victory for Rutgers in school history and the first time Ohio State was ever sent home in the first round. So we're going to start off with Carl Hobbs and we're going to talk to some of the players that you're going to hear from Corey Sanders. You're going to hear from Jonathan Laurent. You're going to hear from Nigel Johnson. You're going to hear from most of the guys. And we're going to first hear what a winning locker room sounds like. Then you're going to hear what a losing locker room sounds like. I I tweeted, well, technically it was very early Friday morning. It was on my ride out of the Verizon Center Look, it's fun to talk after a win. Everybody wants to talk after you win, after you make history. It is not fun to talk after a loss. And I've been in tournament locker rooms where the Rutgers women's basketball team is sent home in the Elite Eight. I was in that locker room in Greensboro. I I was in the Baylor locker room last year when that team got upset by Yale in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I know what it feels like to be in those losing locker rooms where your season is over and you're shell shocked and... I've had players that are much bigger stars than Mike Williams or C.J. Geddes blow me off or just look down and not say a word during an interview in those open locker room settings. 
like I tweeted, it takes real character to talk and actually listen to the questions and give real answers after a game like that. So I, I think that more than anything shows what Steve Peichel and this program is about. It's about building character because you're going to hear from Mike Williams and C.J. Geddes. You're going to hear from C.J. Geddes within 30 minutes of his college basketball career ending. Yeah, you could tell he's upset, but he still listened and answered every question that I asked with respect, and that says a lot. C.J. Geddes, with the way that the rules work, he wanted to just go out and see his family. His family came all the way from Ohio to see him play his final game, and he wasn't allowed to leave the rock locker room because of the Big Ten rules. So he could have blown me off, not talked, looked down, given one-word answers, talked about going 1-0, and but he didn't. He, he talked, and that takes character. I'll be jumping in here and there during these locker room settings just to make sure you know who's talking, if there's anything special or, or, or any individual comment that you should be listening for during each interview. And then after that, we're going to return. I'm going to discuss the news of the week. I do have a couple reader questions that were sent in, and then we'll close out episode 53 of the Rutgers Scout Cast. So before you hear from the Rutgers locker room after its win against Ohio State, we're going to start with Carl Hobbs, by the way. Just a couple thoughts from the Verizon Center. This was my first Big Ten tournament. I did not go out to the Midwest for the previous two tournaments because I can't afford it. But I, I did do this one. Rutgers basketball, I'll tell you what, they, they didn't have a ton of fan support there, but the fans that did come, they were locked in. I went to an alumni event right outside the Verizon Center before the Ohio State game, and it wasn't packed by any means. I did see some of our subscribers over at Scarlet Report. That was pretty cool, giving them a little inside info about some potential transfer news and that kind of stuff. But what what I saw was a lot of people that were locked in and cared about this team. I, people were talking about Rutgers basketball for the first time since, I don't know, maybe since Fred Hill signed Mike Rosario or since Mike Rice's big recruiting class. People are excited about Rutgers basketball, and, and I hope that that doesn't dissipate because of a 31-0 run against Northwestern. Uh, Pat Hobbs saw him multiple times. He was there every step of the way supporting this team. That has not always been the case with Rutgers athletic directors. I think it sends the right message that he, Ryan Pizzari, Sarah Baumgartner, all of those folks were there to support this team and the tournament run. Pat Hobbs was one of the first guys to talk to Rutgers after Rutgers got bounced from the tournament, and his message was that look at the turnaround. I know 15 and 18 isn't the best record, but Rutgers, Rutgers is only a punchline now to people that are not paying attention, to the, the uh, stupid idiots, the mouth breathers. Rutgers turned itself into a team that nobody wants to play, and I guarantee you Northwestern, look at how Northwestern came out in that game. Look at how seriously Northwestern took Rutgers in that game. Rutgers almost beat Northwestern twice, and I guarantee you Chris Collins, who's a heck of a coach, I've been following his career for a long time, I guarantee you Chris Collins got his guys ready to play because Rutgers is dangerous, and Rutgers is going to be even more dangerous next year. No matter who leaves, no matter who Rutgers brings in, that's a team that you don't want to play, especially at the rack. And that was... That was Pat Hobbs' message, and I, it definitely hit home with the players. You're going to hear C.J. Geddes discuss what, it was, what that was like in the show. 
so it was a fun tournament for me, and I think that the Rutgers fans that went, especially day one, got an experience that they've been wanting for a long time. Rutgers got to send a message that it's not going to be a punching bag anymore. It's not going to be the punchline of jokes. Rutgers is going to be a competitive basketball team, and that is my main takeaway. So what did you take away? Why don't you come in with me now into the Rutgers locker room We're going to start with Carl Hobbs. We're going to work our way around the room to the majority of the Rutgers basketball rotation. Feel what it was like at the Verizon Center this week. Here we go. Good, Sam. How you doing? I'm doing good. I was hoping to get to talk. Yep. Yep. Because what was it like to get this victory, especially in D.C.? Well, you know, it was outstanding. It was a win that um, obviously uh, we think could change the course of the program. Uh, first win ever in, a, in, a, in the uh, in the league tournament, and uh, and to get it against such a, uh, a great program like Ohio State, who's never lost a first-round game in a, in a, in a tournament. So uh, it's, it's outstanding. Hopefully uh, it'll lead to bigger and better things for us. What does it mean for the guys, do you think, the, the, the players, that they've been through this all season and they get a reward out of it? I, I think you said it perfectly. You know, they got a great reward. Uh, I think their work, they see the, the, the effort and uh, the commitment, and, and this is the end result of it. And, uh, and I think this is going to give them a lot of confidence to know that if they continue to play this way and continue to play the right way, uh, our season can be extended. How much have you seen this team evolve with your vision, Coach Peichel's vision, and everything that they're trying to install here? Well, you know, I think that um, it's, it's really starting to come together. I think all year uh, we've made strides. Uh, we've come close in a lot of ball games, and, uh, and now we're just learning just how to win and how to finish those games. And part of that is making free throws, which has been a struggle for us all, all year. And, and now we're starting to make those, those free throws, and guys starting to understand the importance of, uh, of getting stops from the defensive end and rebounding the basketball. How much are you enjoying your first year here with Rutgers? Oh, you know, it's, it's just been outstanding. I mean, it's been a great journey thus far, and I think it's going to continue to be a great journey. Uh, and I'm, I'm just really excited. Uh, every day I get up uh, to come to work, uh, I'm excited and I'm enthusiastic about it. And, uh, you know, it's just been wonderful. we got just an, an outstanding uh, staff and the synergy and the commitment to excellence. Uh, you know, we're all on board. What was it like to be back be back in D.C. and get a victory? Oh, it's always great being in D.C. I've got fond memories, particularly in this building, uh, when I was at George Washington University, and um, it brought back a lot of memories. But, um, you know, it was just great just, just to get this here, win, and to know that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to play tomorrow. Northwestern, last thing, Northwestern has played you guys tough twice, but you've been so close. Are you excited to get a third shot at these guys? Oh, without question. I mean, they're a terrific team. I believe they're an NCAA team. Uh, they're very, very well coached. They're probably one of the most uh, skilled teams. Uh, they run great offense, and they're a team that uh, they're going to put five guys on the floor, and five guys have the ability to score. Uh, five guys are terrific passers, and the synergy and, and, and the way that team is connected, uh, it's going to take a special night for us to defeat them. Thank you. Thanks to Coach Carl Hobbs. And up next, you're going to hear from Nigel Johnson. Nigel Johnson scored 42 points over two games. It's in his hometown. I've mentioned a couple times his dad's a Redskin. Ashburn, Virginia's about 45 minutes from the Verizon Center. So it was a homecoming for him. Here's what Nigel Johnson had to say after the win against Ohio State. 
Nigel, just for you to put on like that at the Verizon Center, what does that mean for you? I mean, it means a lot. I mean, especially, I, had, I got a lot of family and friends out here. Being I only live about 30, 35 minutes away from here. So, I mean, it definitely means a lot to be able to show out for them and even more important to get our first Big Ten win in, in, in uh, Big Ten tournament history for Rutgers. So, I mean, it definitely means a lot. It's a, it's a good way to get your first first win in, in, the, in a new conference. So you just got to carry on the momentum and, and carry on to tomorrow. You guys have talked a lot about how this is a new season. So I guess technically you're 1-0 now? Oh, yeah, it's definitely a new season. I mean, playoffs, everybody has a clean record. As we see in, in every March Madness every year, anybody can be beat. So, I mean, we, we see the biggest teams getting upset. So, I mean, like we always say, why not us? So, I mean, that's, that's the, the uh, attitude we go out with every game. And we try to come out with that attitude today. We got one upset, and hopefully we get four more this week and head to the NCAA tournament. Your, your team's hustle stats were pretty impressive tonight. Did you feel like you guys wanted this one more than Ohio State? Uh, I would definitely say so because, I mean, we, we've been talking about it all week. It's a new season, and we feel like we've been battling all year and, and having teams on the ropes. So, I mean, we just feel like this, this is the time we had to just finish them games off, and then we've been doing that, and we did it today, and we just got to keep doing it, and hopefully we can carry the momentum over the rest of the week. Whatever happens the rest of the tournament, do you feel like you're sending a message to – fans and to other teams that kind of wrote you off at the beginning of the year? Um, I feel like we've been writing the message all year. I mean, I feel like the message has been delivered all year. I mean, we've been, like I said before, we've been battling and fighting, and we've lost a lot of single-digit games, close games in the last two or three minutes. So, I mean, like, I feel like the message has been sent. I mean, nobody's really sleeping on Rutgers number. They know that we're here, and they know that it's, it's not it's not the team last year where you can just come in and expect it when they go out to fight, and they, they know they're going to have to play. And that's, that's what we've been trying to send out all year, and I think we've been doing a good job. Your, your dad played for the Redskins, right? Mm-hmm. Is it cool just being another Johnson doing it in Washington, D.C.? Oh, definitely. I mean, nothing compared to him, though. He played at the highest level. I'm still trying to get there. So, But as, as far as being able to do it and in, in close to my home my home city, my home state, is definitely a good feeling. It's definitely important to me and my family. So i got to try to come out and do it again tomorrow. And last thing, you've done this with Kansas State, too. How important is every postseason experience just for development and building towards next season? Oh, it's definitely important. I mean, because no matter what happens, you always want to you always want to go out on a high note and and have a good attitude coming back next year. To me, it's definitely important to end the season and maybe continue the season the best way we can and, and come back next year and carry the momentum over. It. Up next, Corey Sanders and Jonathan Laurent. Corey Sanders, I can kind of just stop talking there. You know who he is. Corey Sanders uh, talking to him after the weekend. I mean, I don't really know how much people expected him to say about exploring the pros again. I think that anyone that really understands how the process works knows that even if Corey Sanders does declare for the draft again, he'll be on spring break with family this weekend. Even if he does declare again, there's really no penalty for that in the NBA. So just take it for what it is. And then Jonathan Loren is Sanders' teammate. They're both sophomores, and Laurent told me, even though his minutes were down this year, he looks forward and wants to be back next season because now he kind of knows what to expect. He knows what Rutgers wants out of him, and he's going to take that into his offseason. Here are Corey Sanders and Jonathan Laurent, who contributed in different ways both games. This is them talking after Ohio State. What was it like for you to see Nigel go off in his hometown? Oh, it was good. It was good. You know, that's kind of, but like I said, that's the kind of player that he is. And when he plays up to that level, he plays aggressive like that. He can do that every game. Um, so you know, I'm proud of him. You know, it ain't it ain't nothing that I didn't expect out of him. So you know, it's all good. I don't say this with any disrespect to Ohio State, but it seems like you guys just wanted it more than yeah. they did. Did, yeah. did it feel like that? 
I mean, we definitely probably did. You know, they probably came in thinking, oh, this is we're playing rugby. This is going to be an easy game for us. You know, and we're not that type of team. And uh, you know, I think that's shown throughout the league play that we're not that type of team that's just going to fall over. So um, we came out, we played hard, and we handled business. How different does it feel in the locker room now compared to last year after the first round? Oh, you know, a win always feels good. You know, we haven't uh, felt like this, and you know, and well, we know we're on a two-game win streak. You know, it feels good, but you know, we're not going to let it get to us. Though, you know, we're just going to stay level-headed and you know, uh, focus on the next game. Next game is Northwestern. You've already talked about it being kind of a revenge game. What? It's your third shot at these guys. You, you, you feel confident going into this one? Yeah, definitely. You know, like I said, it's a revenge game. Last game, I feel like um, you know, it came down to the wire. It came down to that call. Not just didn't get. You know, we're not gonna uh, soak on it. Um, we got a chance to play them t- tomorrow. So you know, we're gonna come strap it up for 40 minutes. And like Coach says, 40 minutes gets you 40 minutes. So that's how we play. How big is it that you're getting such production out of the bench this late in the year? Oh, you know, it's great to know when uh, when you check out the game or when somebody else checks out the game and somebody checks in that uh, you know, they're gonna come in and pick up pick up the pace. You know, keep keep the same thing going, or they bring us energy. You know, when somebody's not playing right, um, coach put somebody else in and they come in, they pick up the energy, and then that person gets back in. You know, so it's good to have a good rotation. This is your first postseason victory as a player. What what is what does this mean for you? Like, how are you gonna learn from this and make, make become a better player out of getting a win like this? Um, you know, I'm just trying to try to. I think we're gonna try to use this as a uh, you know as a fire, you know, as a flame. You know, right now, so it's a it's a little flame we got right now. We're gonna try to make it bigger. You know, and, uh, we gotta make it bigger by being Northwestern tomorrow. You know, it just it just feels good to us. You know, to see what we worked for. You know, uh, paid off. You know, our first uh, conference game, and then. But we're, we're not we're not we're not satisfied, and uh, we're not gonna be satisfied until we come out here winning the, the whole thing. So that's our goal. But we're gonna take it one day at a time. Hey John, big production out of the bench today. You guys killed them in a lot of hustle categories. What went right for you guys? I mean, we just going for it. Like Coach always says, he just wants us to go for it. Don't wait for it. Attack everything. You know, and that's what basically we came out and did. Crash off with some flags, went for loose balls and whatnot. 50-50 balls. We came up with everything. Offensive rebound, second champ points. It's kind of what Rutgers has built on this year. Is that just what you practiced all season? I mean, we don't really practice it, but we just go for it. Like, we know we got a lot of dogs on our team, so if that's the only thing that's working for us, we're going to do it, so we go out there and do it. I feel like you're going to have a huge role just with back-to-back games. You need more out of the guys coming off the bench to give that spark. Where Where's your mindset going into this game? I mean, my mindset going into the game is the same as coming into this game, uh, being aggressive, attacking the backboards, you know, uh, Playing defense, you know, coming up with loose balls. If I have an open shot, taking it. If, uh, if I have an open lane driver, you know whatnot. How much better does it feel after winning this locker room? It's, it feels great, man. It, it just it takes the air out of the locker room. It don't happen a lot, but you know we're gonna change that. That's the show we're gonna change that up. What do you think that getting a win in the tournament says about what Coach Pykele's trying to do here? I mean, we're on the come up. That's the only thing we can you can think about. We're on the come up. Uh, we turning things around. Well, this is four Big Ten wins for us. First time history got four Big Ten wins. First tournament wins. So, I mean, I don't know what else to tell people, but look out for us in a couple years. Thank you, John. Thanks to both of those guys. Two of the better interviews on the team, in my opinion. Now, closing out the winning half or winning portion of the locker room talk. This is a trio of big men on the show here. Deshaun Freeman, the team captain, first. Then we're going to hear from Candido Sa, whose minutes went way up in that tournament after he 
really barely saw the floor over the last stretch during the regular season. And then Shaquille Dorson, another guy that has been in and out of the rotation all year. We're going to hear from those three big men in order. Then it's going to transition into the losing locker room and talking to those guys. So first to Sean Freeman, then Candido Saw, then Shaq Dorson, and I'll check back in with you right after that. Deshaun, how does it feel just sitting in a locker room after a conference tournament victory? Uh, it feels real good. Uh, it's been a while, I heard, and uh, you know, to have the guys come here and fight tonight, it, it feels really good. Two-game win streak. You're a big-time leader for this team, so for you to, to foul out but then see the other guys step up and finish for you, what was it like to watch that from the bench? Um, it was good. I mean, you know, fouling out wasn't a good part, but, uh, you know, of course. <laughs> Trusting my teammates and knowing he'll come up and uh, pick up where I left off at, and he did. Looking at the stats, you guys killed him in second chance opportunities, offensive rebounds. Did you feel like you guys just maybe wanted this one more? Because that's what it looked like from just sitting and watching the game. Yeah, um, you know, I told the guys we ain't got nothing to lose if I squat here and lay it down on the line, and I felt like that's what we did tonight. For you to be continuing this. How important is it for you from a developmental aspect? Every game matters, especially in the postseason. Uh, you know, we just got to continue uh, working even more harder. Uh, feel like we can, we can go farther. We just got to continue to work. Thanks, Deshaun. Hey, Candido, what's up? Hey, good to see you again. Hey, tell me about tell me about the hustle that you guys showed tonight. I think that's the hustle we show uh, every game. We are like we are a really hardworking team and starting to pay off. Uh, what was it like for you to get a bigger role today off the bench? It seemed like Coach really trusted you in the important moments. Uh, coach, coach always, always tells me to be ready, even if I play one, two minutes or 20 minutes. So I always, always get my mind focused. Uh, whenever I play, I, I need to bring energy and do my best to the team. You, you and other guys have had some trouble with free throws, but you hit, you hit both of your key free throws tonight. How, how much of a difference maker is that when you guys do that and Ohio State miss so many shots? Uh, that's, that's the difference between win and lose. Uh, we make free throws, we play, we play hard, we get the W. I, I guess, what was it like after, after Deshaun fouled out, the rest of you guys stepped up? Did you see that? Yeah, so we we are a team. Everybody works. So even 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 when one of us is down, another one is right to step up. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks, Shaq. What's up, man? Good. How are you? Hey, Shaq. How does it feel just to be able to come out of this tournament with at least one victory? Uh, it's an amazing feeling. Uh, that's the first like um, Big Ten uh, tournament win we got. So that's the first step into the door right now. Uh, I'm just trying to like keep it going. How do you feel you guys handled foul trouble tonight? Like, it, it, it was a problem all night, but you guys kept fighting, and it didn't really impact your effort, it seemed like. I mean, foul trouble is a part of the game sometimes, so I just got the feeling that we kind of, we, we did well with the foul trouble. Yeah. You know, when people went out, a lot of people came in and just stepped up and did everything they were supposed to do. And, of course, uh, it was a good thing that we were starting to hit some free throws today. So. What, what do you think... You guys are doing differently the last week than maybe you were doing for the first stretch of Big Ten games. I mean, I got the feeling that uh, our offense is going together more. Uh, we start to hit some more free throws lately again, which is, which is, which is excellent. And then just 
the, the nitty gritty we always had, like just go hard on defense, always go for the offensive rebounds, offensive rebounds. We always have that, but we just imposed it on today. What kind of message do you think you're sending to other teams and other fan bases? Uh, that we are a hard-working, scrapping team. So if you want to, when you play this, you have to be ready to be physical and just go at it. What is the challenge of back-to-back games? Because you're, we're talking now, and in 24 hours, you're playing a really good Northwestern team. Uh, just that, just to stay focused and not get to carry the win this win today, but just straight, uh, straight from today to just, uh, just get at it and just get focused on the next game and just be ready to go. All right, thanks, Shaq. No problem. Appreciate it. Thank you. Now comes the other side of the coin, the other half of basketball and how you deal with a loss. I thought that Mike Williams and CJ Geddes were the two perfect people to put on the podcast. I talked to other guys afterwards. You're going to see a ton of coverage with that on Scarlet Report over the next few days for our subscribers. I mentioned this last week. I'll mention it one more time. Spots are filling up for our extended free trial offer. Through this podcast, I have two more extensions that I can give out. So if you haven't tried ScarletReport.com and want to get in on the action with everything that we've done covering the basketball team this year, I was at more basketball games this year than any other reporter on the beat, you can reach out to me, shelman at scout.com. I'll be there for every Rutgers football spring practice, I think. I might have something going on one weekend that I'll be excited to announce soon. You want to get in on all that, you reach out to me and we have two more spots available. Now, I've already discussed what it's like in the locker room after the loss, but it's really a lot easier for you to just listen and hear it for yourselves. So first is Mike Williams. He's going to talk right afterwards. You're going to hear from CJ Geddes. I guess you can call these his parting words as a Scarlet Knight. He'll finish up the semester academically, but his focus now is on trying to continue his career in the pros in some capacity. Mike Williams and CJ Geddes are both class acts. You're going to hear that here in the final stretch of Inside the Locker Room. Mike Williams, you're up first. Mike, you guys were able to fight back after that run. I think you outscored him afterwards. Is that encouraging for you that you guys didn't quit? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, um, even though things look bleak in the first half, you know, um, you know, this team has fought all year, you know, um, there's never been a time where we haven't fought, and, you know, despite the score, you know, we continue to fight, and um, I'm just looking towards the future, you know, I'm thankful for my seniors, Khalil and CJ, you know, I'm going to miss them greatly. Um, I'm liking where, I, I like where this program is heading, you know, um, you know, I'm just, just got to get back to work come the spring. I, I can tell from looking at you guys that this one hits you pretty hard. Is it? Do you feel like this can be good motivation for you guys to work hard this offseason? Oh, yes, definitely. You know, you got to get credit where credit is due. You know, Northwestern shot, shot the ball at an alarming rate, a rate I haven't, I've never seen before. But, um, you know, you got to get credit to them. You know, they did, they show why they are going to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, that gives us motivation because we want to be where they are, right? We want to be where they are. We haven't been to the NCAA tournament ever, and we haven't been there in, 20, in like over 20 years. So, you know, um, that gives us great motivation. But, um, 
you know, looking at um, where we at and where we came back from two years ago and the year before that, you know, I feel like we made tremendous strides. And, you know, um, come this off season, you know, I'm just, you know, we, just get, we all got to get back to work. Everyone got to get better, and, you know, um, you know, so I think, you know, we'll be ready by next year. Do you, do you feel more confident this offseason? It seems like there's a more of a vision or more of a plan this time than maybe other offseasons for you. Um, I guess I, I guess I'm asking. Do you feel like there's a better sense that things are going in the right direction? Yes, definitely. Um, I feel you know this is a new era. You know the Pico era. You know he came in and um, with um, a great game plan. You know he came in great energy. You know we feed it off that. Oh yeah, you know. I'm just I'm just proud of this team, you know, and where we have come from, and how long we came, and you know, um, I'm just very looking forward to how we how we look um, next year. Last thing for me, are you playing hurt with your hand or how are you feeling? Yeah, my hand, my whole right side of my hand is numb, um, but you know, I'll be alright. Thanks, Mike. Obvious question, but just how are you feeling after the way this ended? It's tough. Career's over. I mean, there's not really anything else to say. You came here wanting to teach these guys to fight, and I saw that. I mean, you give up a, a crazy run, but then you outscore Northwestern after. Do you feel like you, you taught these guys some things during the time? I can only hope. Uh, it's out of my control anymore. Uh, I believe that they learned a valuable lesson and fighting to the end until the budget goes off this year. And, you know, I can only hope that they continue to do that next year. What did you learn from your time at Rutgers? I've learned that you're going to have a bunch of different pieces of the puzzle. And as long as you find a way to put them together and make it work, it's going to come together. And, uh, you know, things aren't always going to go the way you want. But uh, as long as you come together as a team, you can have fun with it and make the most of it. What, uh, what did uh, Steve Michael talk at the press conference about Pat Hobbs coming in here and giving a message to you guys? What was it like to hear from him? What did he say? Great. It was great to hear from a guy of his stature, you know, coming in, giving us confidence and, you know, telling us that what we did this year was a 360 turnaround from last year. And to be a part of that, I'm thankful to Coach Pike and the staff, Pat Hobbs, the AD, and Rutgers University as a whole. Okay, thank you to the entire Rutgers basketball roster, but especially Mike Williams and C.J. Geddes for speaking and actually engaging post-game after such a tough loss, especially C.J. I mean, you heard it, his words, my career's over. Now, hopefully for him it is not because he's looking to explore overseas, but as far as his Rutgers career, it is. So if you see him on campus or... You like to use the tweeters? Uh, go ahead and hit up CJ and toss him a thank you. I think he did a lot, and it goes beyond the minutes he contributed, which were a lot more than anyone and probably Steve Peichel expected when you get this big September 1st gift, as Steve Peichel liked to call it. I know before I've referenced the fact that CJ Geddes and Deshaun Freeman are good friends. Deshaun Freeman is a team captain and had a very good season and is really going to be someone that the Big Ten has to worry about next year if he keeps developing that outside shot and can finish a little bit better around the rim. At this time last year, Deshaun Freeman was injured and was suspended. And in 
his time, well, first off season with Steve Peichel, he he had a new coaching staff. He stepped things up, but I think that C.J. Geddes, when they met and became friends so quickly, was a great influence on Deshaun Freeman, was a great influence on the rest of the roster. So thanks again to C.J. Now, there's a reason that I left C.J. Geddes for last, and part of that is because of the mailbag that I am now opening up, the Rutgers ScoutCast mailbag for the week. Both questions this week came from Mark B. I hope that is uh, not Mr. Brandanowitz. Mark B. asks, this is on-topic and off-topic kind of merged together here. His on-topic question is this. Sam, you and Brian spoke a lot on the podcast about how you prefer grad transfers to junior college transfers in recruiting. Can you expand on that? Yes, yes, I can. Now, to be clear, when I said that, I mean I prefer grad transfers in football, specifically, not not necessarily as much in basketball. I think that in basketball, it's a little more even as far as getting success out of the JUCO level and getting success out of the grad transfer level. In football, I'm a grad transfer guy, and I say that for a few reasons. First off, I'm a Rutgers guy, and when you cover Rutgers, you have to be prepared for the academic challenges that come with recruiting junior college athletes. It is a lot easier to get a graduate transfer admitted to Rutgers than a junior college player when it comes to the math credits that Rutgers requires. Unless you were a qualifier out of high school, it's going to be tough to get you in as a junior college player, whereas as a grad transfer, you have your college degree. Reckon you're a pretty good student, and it's different. Now, not every grad transfer is like that. Some still have a tough vetting process, but it is easier to get them into school. That is a big reason why I prefer graduate transfers. Also, with junior college, most of the guys that you'd be getting for football, like I mentioned, are qualifiers out of high school. Now, why do you go to junior college if you qualified academically in high school? You do that because you're not good enough and you don't have enough offers. So unless you have this massive transformation in one or two years of junior college, then I don't know how much talent you're going to bring in. I mean, we'll see how some of these guys do that have done that path. You can go back and look, and Rutgers hasn't had a ton of success with that, whereas Rutgers has had a lot of success with graduate transfers, whether it's, I'm just going off the top of my head here, so I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but they had a, a kickoff guy from from Delaware come in, Chris Goh, or Goff, or Koff, that did well. I mean, Lou Toller, the corner, R.J. Dill, the offensive lineman. You have some now with, with Damon Duop-Mitchell that is going to make an impact. Gus Edwards, I'm forgetting some. Ross Douglas, you have a lot of grad transfers that are going to play. And so the other reason that I like graduate transfers and this goes for all sports, is that they've already done it at a college level. And college and junior college are very different. So even if the guy didn't contribute a lot or didn't get the run that he thought at his previous school, like Damon Mitchell, or if it's someone that just wants to be closer to home, like Gus Edwards, you're getting a guy that has legitimate experience with legitimate programs knows what is expected at the college level and more ready to make an impact. You're also getting a guy, you're also getting a guy that is 
coming in focused and wanting to play. You don't graduate transfer to sit out. So you're getting guys that want to play. Now, yes, you only get them for one year most of the time. They're rental players, and it's not a way to build a program. But when you are Rutgers football right now and you need talent and playmakers, boy, look at these graduate transfers. And Rutgers got a lot more dangerous as an offense in this offseason, got a lot more versatile, and it's because of those grad transfers. Now, the second part of Mark's question, the off-topic part, is, who is Sam, who is your favorite? Well, it was for Sam and Brian, but Brian is not here. He's returning videotapes right now. The, it is uh, Sam and Brian. Who's your favorite graduate transfer or JUCO player at Rutgers? That's an interesting question, and I'm going to assume this means all time, not just the guys there now, because you don't got a lot of choice if you're just going with the guys that are there now. Um... You know, C.J. Geddes is definitely up there. Not only was he good to deal with in the media, but he was super entertaining. He's one of my the most entertaining people I've ever watched play basketball. I like Kobe Marfo a lot, who came over from junior college. I think my answer, if you ask me this at this time next year, I think my answer would be Ryan Anderson, the graduate transfer punter from D3 Olivet. Ryan Anderson... I mean, you can go look him up. Go look up his profile and everything that I've written about him, and you can see why I like him. Go over to Scarlet Report, check it out, read about him and and why he's so much more than just a punter. But two reasons why I think he'll be my answer by this time next year. The first reason, I mean, it's a position, a need for Rutgers. And me as a reporter, I'm so sick of having to ask over and over and over again and address it every week. Why can't Rutgers punt? Why can't Rutgers get touchbacks? Why can't Rutgers make more of an impact on special teams as far as field position goes? I think Ryan Anderson could be that guy that at least scares off those conversations for a little bit. If you're asking me to go with a historic pick or my favorite of all time, that's tough. I mean, I, I guess I've kind of listed my guys. I, I remember really liking Dallas Hendrickson, the offensive lineman, during his time at Rutgers. Amari Greer was a good kid during his brief time uh, with the Rutgers basketball team. I, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to end up having to go with C.J. Geddes on this one for all the reasons that I've discussed and that you've heard. However, Ryan Anderson has a great shot of taking that spot by this time next year. Oh, right, and I know I said two reasons for Ryan Anderson and only listed one. The other reason is that when right when he was about to commit, we were going to do our interview about his commitment right before his official visit, but he didn't have cell phone service because I guess a tower went down or whatever where, where he was. So I told so he, uh, I had him connect to his uh, Wi-Fi, and we did a FaceTime interview. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever done. I, I like it, and it's something I'll I'll remember. Just FaceTime interviews with punter graduate transfers. It's just so weird, and I like weird. So that's that was the other reason. So that was the mailbag for this week. Please send more questions for future episodes. Episode fifty four next week. Email shelmanscout dot com at sam scout on Twitter. Sam Hellman scout on Facebook. Any of those things that any of those options are good avenues to reach me but the best way to get your question answered is to post or message on the scarlet report premium forums you're a member you get first dibs 
This has been another episode of the Rutgers ScoutCast, episode 53, Inside the Big Ten Basketball Tournament. I hope that you enjoyed a feel for what it's like inside a locker room. I'd love to tell you what it's like inside Chris Ash's locker room, but we are not allowed to do that anymore. That was a kind of a Greg Schiano thing. Greg Schiano always opened up the locker room because he wanted it to feel like the pros. Kyle Flood did it for a little while because, well, he did a lot of things that Greg Schiano did, slightly worse. And then Kyle Flood took it away when, once he started to feel the heat, I guess is the best way to put it. Chris Ash does it his way, and it's not my job to criticize him. He's learned from some really good coaches, and that's a conversation for another podcast or another show or whatever. You know my philosophy on it. This has been another episode of the Rutgers Scout Cast. On the Scout Network, I am Scarlet Report publisher Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening.